0: Well guys, I'm really, really excited to be here with you today. Uh, I'm definitely not Todd, and I'm certainly not Kent or Jeff, but it really is a privilege to get to stand in this pulpit. Uh, I've been preaching the Thrive service here at this church for almost a year now, and uh, it's really been amazing to see how God has been blessing and growing that service. But it's really special to get to be here on a Sunday morning and see a different flock, you know, a different group of people. And I have to say, some of you guys are better looking than our Thrive crowd, so... It's a nice change of pace. I said some, Kent. (laughs) If you haven't been with us, we've been in a sermon series entitled The Counselor. And the point of this series has been looking at questions that Jesus asked in order to teach us something or counsel us. Uh, um, He asked questions to the disciples and then to certain people in Scripture. The first week, Kent brought a great message on when Jesus asked his disciples during a storm... Why are you so afraid? Last week, Jeff brought another great message. Uh, when Jesus asked two blind, man, blind men who are seeking healing in their life, do you really believe I can do this? And then next week on Easter Sunday, Jeff is going to bring another message, and I'm really looking forward to it. Because he's going to be preaching on a message and a topic that I feel like is really important in the Christian church, and that's on spiritual doubt. And the question that he'll be looking on is, after the resurrection, when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Why did you doubt? But today we're looking at a question that Jesus asked uh, that I think can dramatically impact us right where we are. Uh, The same question that Jesus asked to this man, I believe God is asking each of us this morning. And I believe that truly today, God is gonna do a healing work in our lives. Uh, That question that he asked was to a man who had been down and out for 38 years. He had been an invalid for 38 years. And Jesus asks him the question, Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? I want to look at this message through the lens of of a a long term problem in our life, Um, something that's been persistent. I'm not talking about a short term problem that's here for a couple weeks and then gone, but a long term, ongoing problem in your life. Uh, now, a lot of us have different types of problems because we have all kinds of um, come-froms and things like that. So let me give you a few examples. Maybe your persistent problem in your life has been a physical ailment. Maybe you have suffered from chronic head ble- uh, headaches. If you're like me, it's been chronic nosebleeds. I kind of mesh those two for a second. But during this season, uh, my mom can walk downstairs to wake me up, and it looks like a, a crime scene. You know, blood is just everywhere. And my mom's freaking out, I'm just like, it's okay, just another nosebleed. If it's not something physical, maybe it's something mental. You've you suffered from severe anxiety or depression. Maybe if it's not that, uh, maybe this thing that has been uh, persisting in your life, this problem that you've had, has been overspending. If not overspending, maybe overeating or overcommitting yourself. Maybe if it's none of those things, maybe you've walked into the room today and you've been struggling from an addiction problem. Maybe you've been smoking the wrong thing. Cigarettes, pot, crayons. I don't know, some of you guys are weird. (laughs) But just this thing in your life that you just can't seem to break free from. Maybe it's in a relationship. You just can't get it right with your dad. You just can't get your marriage to work. You know, it could be a number of different kinds of relationships, but for whatever reason, you just can't come to a place where things are meshing or working. So I don't know what your persistent problem is in your life, what your long-term problem is, but whatever it is, I want you to look through this message and through that lens. And I also want you to believe this, that no matter how big your problem might be, no matter how long it's existed, that in a single moment in the presence of Jesus, everything can change. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity, and um, Lord, we know that uh, no one is qualified to be up here and and speak your truth, and the only thing that can come out of this that's good is you, Lord, and so we invite you to be here, God. Um, We invite you to just speak to our hearts, Lord, and we humbly say, you know, we know that we don't have the answers all the time, and God, we know that we need healing in our lives. We know that we've had this persistent, ongoing problem. And we believe that you're asking this question, do you want to be made well? Lord, help us today to answer that question and truly mean it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the text that we're going to be reading from today is John chapter 5. And we're going to be reading through verse 1 uh, all the way through 9. So we're going to read through it and then we're going to kind of elaborate on some of it. So starting in verse 1 it says, Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Now, I want to pause here. Uh, I don't want to be critical today, but whoever was the master planner here really was messed up in the head, Uh, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be swimming in a pool next to a Sheep Gate. Um, I remember one summer, a couple years ago, uh, I took my girlfriend to this water park, And uh, it was a beautiful day, 80 degrees, one of the first days of summer. And so this place was absolutely slamming. I mean, it was jam-packed with people. And so we were looking around, trying to find the perfect place to get our optimal tanning on. And uh, we finally found these two lounge chairs, you know, the really nice kind that were open... And it was weird because they were right under a speaker that was playing the music. Uh, They were right under the sun by the Lazy River. They seemed like perfect seats, and so we thought we had scored. So we threw down our towels and we laid down, and a few minutes went by, and then a light breeze hit the back of our neck, and we slowly realized why people weren't sitting there as that breeze was carrying an an aroma of the door that was propped up about 10 feet behind us being the men's bathroom So you can imagine the smell on this scene being very similar to the smell at the Pool of Bethesda. But the Pool of Bethesda was actually not a pool at all. It was a uh, natural body of water. And I want to continue reading in Scripture so we can understand its purpose. Continuing on in uh, verse 3, it says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Now you might ask, what were they doing laying around a pool? Were they catching some rays too? And the answer to that is no. Uh, As tradition had it, an angel would come down and would stir the waters of Bethesda. And the first person, when the water would bubble up to get into the pool, would be healed. Now, you can imagine this scene. People waited days and sometimes weeks to be that first person into the water. And I have two different images in my head, okay? The first one is imagining all of these people who have all these disabilities and problems rushing to the pool. So I imagine the blind guy tripping over the leper and knocking off her foot <laughs> to get into the pool. And then on the other hand, yeah, some of you guys are just, just catching that. That's pretty funny. The other image that I have is moms on Black Friday. Okay. <laughs> If you've never seen it, go out on Black Friday to a Walmart and watch moms who are on a mission for something, okay? This is probably what the scene looked like with these people trying to be that first person into the pool. Continuing on, in verse 5, it says, there was one who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. Would you say that with me? For 38 years, When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now reading that question, it almost seems insulting. You know, it's kind of like an obvious answer. It's like asking a man who's hungry, do you want to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet? Or asking a poor man, do you want me to give you a hundred bucks? Or asking Kent Holland, do you want to go to the Harley-Davidson shop? It's like, do you know me? Of course I want to go to the Harley shop. Of course I want to be healed. But still God asked this pointed question to this man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Do you want to be well? Continuing on he responded and he said, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, The man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. See, after 38 years and one moment in the presence of Jesus, this man's life radically changed. And I believe he can do the same thing in our lives this morning. I believe he can do the exact same thing. Now, I want to take this scripture and I want to talk about uh, three things that I can see happen when problems that persist come about in our life. I think three things can happen. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. But when problems persist, the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. Man, this man had lost all hope. He had been an invalid for 38 years. And I feel like some of us can relate to that. Man, my marriage, it's been messed up for a long time And, and You know, we've tried to go to counseling, and we've even been nice to each other, and we've gone to church, but we're just at a point where our hands are in the air. We don't think it's ever going to get better. Or you've been living with an addiction problem, and you just said things like, man, I don't know why I've tried to quit over and over and over again, but still, when I'm home alone, it's got me in its vice. And it's my knee-jerk reaction to go to it, and go to it, and go to it, even though I know it's wrong and it's hurting me. You just can't break it. You're so discouraged. Maybe you've gone to doctor after doctor with a health issue and you've prayed about it. And still nothing is changing or getting better and you've gotten to a place even where you said, maybe this is just what God has for me. Whatever it is, the longer problems in your life persist, the easier it is to become discouraged. Now, I know this to be a fact because I've seen it true in my own life, and ironically enough, as I was preparing this message this week, do you want to get well, uh, on Wednesday I, I was at the doctor's office, and he told me that I had the flu and strep throat, which I didn't even know was possible, um, but it is. And, and now I'm looking around, and people who hugged me are reaching for the hand sanitizer. <laughs> Guys, I'm not contagious. I'm not sick. Um. But when I was in the doctor's office, I started talking to Dr. Castaneda and asking him, to you know, I've been sick almost every single month this last year and a half. It seems like with something. And uh, he said, well, how's your diet? And how's your sleeping? And how's your exercise? And I hesitated to answer. I didn't really wanna answer honestly, but after we started having this conversation, he looked at me and he said, man, this stuff has got to change if you wanna be made well. And I kinda chuckled and I I reached to give him a high five, but he rejected me, (laughs) I don't know why but I said thank you for giving me some great stuff for my sermon for Sunday. I hope to see you there. (laughs) But I know how easy it is to slip into funks when you go through this stuff in life. I mean, this problem with me being sick and me getting into these ruts, is so small compared to some of the things in your life that are pressing on you right now, that are weighing you down. You know, this has only been going on in my life for like a year and a half, but for some of you, it's been going on for years And I know that it has to be extremely discouraging. So the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. And the second thing is this, the more excuses you tend to make. The more excuses you tend to make. See, this is a natural reaction for us as humans. We naturally want to place blame somewhere else. We don't like to take blame for things. So this is a natural knee-jerk response. And it's exactly what the guy did here in Scripture. He said to Jesus, I have no one to help me in the pool. When the water's stirred, people just run by me, and, and I can't walk, and I just, I just can't do it. And I feel like it should say dot, 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 and oh, woe is me. You know, I'm not trying to be harsh on this guy. You know, I've never been an invalid. I imagine it would be difficult. Uh, and to be completely honest with you, I didn't even know what the word invalid meant until earlier this week. I had to look it up. But I have to believe that after 38 years, after 38 years, there would have come a point in time where, you know, scripture says that this man couldn't have walked, but could he have crawled? Could he have scooted? Could he have inchwormed? You know, did one of these numbers. I mean, I have to believe that if that was me in that, in that case, that I would have said something inside of myself and said, you know, I have to get there no matter what. And I would have got to the edge of that water and I would have wrapped myself up in a little ball waiting for that. And the moment I heard, I'm rolling my happy egg into the water because I believe that there'd be something in me that said, man, I have to find healing. But I believe this guy had gotten to a point in his life where we all tend to get at times he got into to a place where he didn't think it was possible. Man, you just don't understand. You just don't get it. My marriage has been like this for years. And my parents, well, they're divorced. I come from a broken family, so it's in my DNA. It's just the way things go. And man, I've always been an average student. I was an average student when I was in the second grade. I knew it then, and, and I know it now, and... And I don't have a degree, and I have nobody to help me financially, and we make excuse after excuse after excuse. I know that I need to exercise to be healthy, but really, if you look at my schedule, I just have no time. And I tried counseling. You know, I've really tried to go to counseling and work through these problems, but it hasn't worked. And and I even went to church. One time, I went to church two weeks back to back, and still nothing we make all of these excuses see the longer a problem persists the more discouraged we become the more excuses that we make and the third thing write this down the more we learn how to compensate the more we learn how to compensate now I'm going to be really honest with you guys today and straightforward and say a lot of you guys in this room are master compensators You know, I don't know who specifically I'm speaking to right now, but I think that there's some people in this room who are highly functioning alcoholics. Highly functioning alcoholics. You're hurting your wife and your kids at home, but professionally, you're highly functioning. And so your coworkers and your boss, well, they don't see it. And if they do, they don't care because you're still making ends when you're dealing with this horrible addiction that's destroying your home life. See, you've learned how to compensate. See, there's some of you in this room today who have been living in a dead marriage. You've just been existing in a dead marriage. There's no sight of romance or intimacy in your marriage. There's no spiritual growth or, or anything happening. It's just existing. It's more of a business partnership than a loving relationship. And you aren't trying to incite or instill any kind of things into your children. You stay together and you say things, well, we don't like it, but we're doing it for the kids and it's uncomfortable and it's not what we want, but it just is what it is. It just is what it is. Some of you guys, some of you guys are compensating for an addiction. Maybe it's a pornography addiction. You guys have learned how to delete the history bars and get rid of the traps that could catch you in the act. And you've justified and justified and justified and told yourself it's really not that big of a deal to the point where you can continue to do it and you've compensated. Some of you have compensated for your overspending. People look at you and they go, man, that person's got it all together. They've got the best car and the best clothes and the best house. I wish I could manage my money like them. Not knowing that you're living paycheck to paycheck, wondering how you're going to get out from underneath the financial debt that you've created for yourself. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul and you are compensating. See, whatever it is, there's a very serious and big problem here. And it's this is that if you want real change in your life, if you want to fix that problem or or get past that persistent problem in your life, you have to realize that you cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. There's room in your outline. Go ahead and write that down. That's good. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. You know, some people have asked me, what do you think the biggest hindrance to the Christian faith is? What do you think the biggest obstacle to faith for a Christian is? And some people might argue that it's doubt. Some people might argue that it's fear. Others might argue that it's worry. And I think all of those arguments are valid, but I'd like to throw another idea into the ring. I think that the most uh, um, problematic thing for the Christian faith is the familiar. It's the familiar You know, I can just hear that that man who was an invalid for 38 years say, I've always been an invalid. This has just been my life. This is just who I am. Or I can hear the, the man who's struggling financially say, you don't know my parents. They struggled financially. I struggle financially. And, well, my kids, they'll probably struggle financially as well. I've always dated the wrong type. I've always had a bad relationship with my father I've always had these spiritual doubts. See, we're comfortable in what's familiar to us, even if it's uncomfortable. We are more comfortable in the uncomfortable than the unknown uncomfortable. So we find ourselves in these situations where we're in these prisons, but at least it feels like home. But at least it feels like home. And I think maybe that's the reason why Jesus asked, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Because Jesus realized that he can't heal a man who just needs to be well. He can only heal a man who wants to be made well. The same is true for us today, guys. You might need healing in your life and maybe Jesus is waiting for you to want healing in your life. You want to get out of debt? Your words say yes, but some of you, shopping is your drug of choice. Shopping is your... Your drug of choice, so you say yes, but your actions say something completely different. Do you want to be made well from the addiction in your life? Your words, well, they say yes, but your actions say you're comfortable in your chains. Do you want to be freed from that bad temper? Your words, well, they say yes, but your actions say no, that you like controlling people with that anger, and you find comfort in it. So do you really, really want to be made well? Because the reality is today, guys, healing will not begin in your life until your desire becomes bigger than your disability. Until your desire to change becomes bigger than your disability. No matter how big that problem seems or might be or how weighty it might be, until your desire is greater than whatever that is, you will never experience healing in your life. Some of you guys are sitting in here and you're saying, man, you just don't understand. You know, I know that that guy was an invalid for 38 years, but but I've been an alcoholic for 80 years or 60 years. It's in my DNA or some of you are saying, you know, I've always been a bad parent or I've always been a liar or I've always been bad with my money or I've always been short-tempered. I can't change these things. I've always had these addiction problems. You just don't get it. It's, it's been going on for so long. I can't change. Well, I want to say today as your pastor that you couldn't be more wrong. And I know that because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen men who have lived their lives slaves to a bottle for 60 years and then spent the next 20 years sober participating in things like Celebrate Recovery, ministering to people who are recovering addicts. I've seen it in my life where people who wanted nothing to do with God or Christianity or the Bible who are now coming to church every Sunday morning, and not just coming to church, but more importantly, they're talking about Jesus. They're getting involved in the body and in fellowship. Life change, guys. So I don't care how scarlet your past may be, I don't care how long this problem in your life has persisted, whether it's been three days, three years, 30 years, or 60 years, in one moment in the presence of Jesus, all of that can change. All of that can change. Do you want to be made well? You see, what happens when we finally realize that God can change that is that the longer that these problems in our life has, have persisted, the more glory God's going to get when he heals you from them. When he heals you from that thing, you're going to turn into one of the greatest evangelists of all time because you're going to be able to say, you know what, I was a slave to this. This thing was holding me hostage, but God has freed me from it. That's the power of my God. Guys, that's how we preach the gospel. It doesn't need our fancy words or our eloquent, eloquent phrases or our gospel tracts. It just needs evidence of our life being changed by God and his grace. That's it. You see, what happens is those problems and those struggles and those things that were so hurtful to us become the bedrock for us to stand on to bring glory to God. Guys, I want to be really transparent with you and say that the thing that I've struggled with most of my entire life are really, really dark seasons of depression And people who don't have depression don't really understand it. They compare it to being sad, but it's nothing like being sad. I would go days at a time during these seasons where I wouldn't get out of bed. Days at a time where I would have people around me that loved me, family and friends, and I would still feel like I was on an island, even though I was the one putting myself there. It was some of the darkest days of my life, and these seasons were challenging and difficult and hard But you know what? I'm here to tell you that God walked with me through those valleys and he showed me the light at the other side. And in this last year, I've been able to minister to more people who have come to me struggling with depression and been able to speak truth into their life because I've been there and I know what it's like and I know what God can do through those experiences and I know what's on the other side. And you see, God turned my greatest misery into my greatest ministry and he'll do the exact same thing for you. He'll do the exact same thing for you when there's healing in your life. The man said, no one will help me into the water. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Guys, Jesus healed this man in a supernatural way. And really quickly, I want us to notice three things that happened. Three things first of all the man didn't ask Jesus to heal him second off there was nothing that this man did to deserve or earn Jesus's healing in his life and the third thing is this the healing for this man came in a way that he never expected in a way that he never expected you see he didn't ask Jesus to heal him And this is one of the million reasons why it's so important for us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God and his son Jesus. It's why it's so important that every day our prayer should be, God, this life is not my own. I surrender it to you. May today be filled with actions that bring you glory. Because it's for you. And as we do this, and as we read our scripture, and as we pray, and as we start to understand who Jesus is... As we press in to Jesus, he starts doing things in our life that we don't even ask him to do. Jesus will begin transforming our thought process in ways that we didn't even realize was dysfunctional. He'll start giving us forgiveness and mercy in areas of our life where we didn't even realize we were sick. And Jesus will start healing us in ways where we didn't even know we needed help. See, looking at this man, he didn't earn or deserve it. He couldn't buy this healing. He couldn't be good enough for this healing. His works couldn't have got him this healing. You see, Jesus didn't heal this man because this man was good. Jesus healed this man because Jesus is good. You see, that's what this grace thing is all about, guys. It's God doing a work in us for him and for his glory. That's what grace is about. You can't earn it, and you can't possibly deserve it. And it came in a way that he didn't expect. You see, this man thought that this healing was going to come from this water of the pool. It didn't come from the water. And some of us are in a position right now where we're looking for healing for a specific area of our life in this category, in this box, hoping that it's going to bring healing. And I'm here to say it might not come through that water, but it will come through the living water, which is Jesus Christ And he works in a way that is completely different than what you could possibly imagine or expect or anticipate. Maybe for you, you've been trying to get out from underneath your financial debt, and so you've been buying a lottery ticket week after week after week, hoping you'll just cut it. Well, maybe you're not going to get healing through that water. Or maybe you've been in in a broken marriage, and you've been trying to work through things, and you've been saying things like, man, if it could just get back to the way things were, it could just get back to how we used to be and God is saying no healing is not going to come through that water but healing is only going to come through new birth through the living water I want to give you something new a blank slate something fresh and something better than what you used to have see Jesus will transform your life in a way that is completely different than what you can anticipate or expect when you get close to him when you draw nearer to him See, when Jesus says the words, get up, pick up your mat and walk, what he essentially is saying is this, I don't want to hear your excuse. I want to see your faith. I don't want to hear your excuse. I want to see your faith. And so I don't know what that looks like for you today. Maybe you'll be a person who walks out these doors and you throw away your cigarettes Maybe you'll call your small group and you'll tell them something in your life that's been challenging and difficult for you and say, man, I just need you to love me through this thing in my life. Maybe for you, you're gonna call for counseling. I don't know what it is, but I know that it's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna be a big thing because if it was just some small tweak, you guys are small, uh, smart people, you would have changed it years ago. I believe it's gonna be a miraculous and wonderful thing you just have to step out in faith. See, stepping out in faith is hard. Stepping away from the familiar is hard. But see, like Jesus said to this man, he said, listen, I'm gonna heal you. I'm gonna touch you. I'm gonna do what only I can do, but I need you to do what only you can do. I need to see your faith. I don't want another excuse. Show me that after 38 years, you'll have the faith to stand on those legs that you don't know if they're gonna work and take that first step into healing. Do you want to be made well? Guys, we've had a beautiful example of this in our church over the past couple of weeks. It's difficult for any person to get before a group of people and admit problems that have persisted in their life it's even more difficult for a leader. But we saw as Brother Todd came before this church and said, I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of compensating. I realize that I have to want to be healed and my desire is bigger than my disability. We saw a man who took a step into healing. Church, my question is, can we follow suit today? Can we take that step? My question is, do you really want to be made well? Pray with me. God, as we close, would you just reveal to us whatever it is that has been this problem that we just couldn't escape, this vice that has been holding us, Lord? And maybe for us today, what it is, is simply just the inability to surrender to who you are. And we've walked in this room without hope and we've met Jesus today. And our hearts have been changed. God, whatever it is, would you help us to have the strength to leave this place changed, healed, at least moving in the direction of your healing, God? Lord, we know that we can't do it on our own. And so as we answer this question, do you really want to be well? Do you really want to be made well? Will you help us all trust and have faith that in a single moment in the presence of you, no matter how broken or how messed up or how long the problem has persisted in our life, We can have healing and our lives can be changed today, right now, in this place. In Jesus' name we pray.